Our next Old Testament lesson will come from the book of Nehemiah. We're going to be finishing out Nehemiah today. Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. Nehemiah 9, 1 through 5. Now, on the 24th day of the month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and sackcloth, with earth on their foreheads. Then those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sin and the iniquities of their ancestors. They stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord for their God for a fourth part of the day. And for another fourth part, they made confession and worshiped the Lord, their God. Then Jeshua, Benai, Kadimai, Shabenai, Bunai, Shariah, Banai, and Chemeniel stood among the stars of the stairs of the Levites and cried out with a loud voice to the Lord, their God. Then the Levites, Jeshua, Kadenai, Banai, Habashani, Shribai, Hodai, Shabani, and Pentia. Always say it with confidence and they'll believe you. <laughs> Said, stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed to be the, your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The older I get, the more I've found that baseball has become my favorite sport. As I've gotten older, there really only seems to be one um, sports team that I really have much time to really pay attention to. And honestly, as I've gotten older, I don't follow Ole Miss sports like I used to when I was younger. Uh, To be honest, uh, Alan's already fussed at me about this one. I didn't watch a lot of the team this year that won the title. I just didn't really... I don't had a lot of other stuff going on. It just wasn't something I did a lot of. The team that I really follow pretty religiously now, as much as you can a baseball team, is the San Francisco Giants. I, I just I love baseball. The older I've gotten, the more I just I, I don't know if it's because it's a slow game and I've gotten slow. I just like baseball. It's a lot of fun. And the reason why I'm a Giants fan is because of Will Clark. If you saw last night the Giants retired his number, and I just, I, from a small child, I loved Will Clark. I thought he had the prettiest swing in all of baseball. I watched him play my whole childhood. I just love him. I've got a little shrine to him in my office. I've got a signed baseball. It's just ridiculous. I could probably be arrested as a stalker. Just ridiculous. Love him. You know, I grew up watching uh, those not 80s teams with Will Clark in 87 when they played the Cardinals, and then the 89 when they made the World Series and got swept by the A's. Um, you know, they got Barry Bonds in 90, 93, and to this day, I make no apologies. Sorry, Daniel. I hate the Braves because in 93, we won 103 ball games, and the Braves traded for Fred McGriff and won the NL West by one game, and there wasn't even a wild card. We need to make the playoffs. We won 103 ball games, and yes, I'm still bitter about it all these years later. So the Giants, for most of their, most of their time, was heartbreak. And like I said, in 89, we got swept by the A's. In, in 02, we were five outs away from winning the World Series, and they blew it just, ah, you know. But um, finally, in 2010, they won the World Series, and it was so great. I remember sitting on my couch watching it down in Petal. It was so exciting. But here's the thing about the team that won the World Series in 10 and then 12 and 14 is it wasn't the team of Will Clark. The Will Clark teams had Will Clark, who was one of the best hitters in baseball, and then Barry Bonds, Kevin Mitchell won an MVP. It was a team full of stars. But the 2010 team, 
it didn't really have any stars. Even its best pitcher, Tim Lincecum, he had the most bizarre pitching motion you would have ever seen for a pitcher. It was a team of misfits, a team of, kinda, uh, of people that kind of hung together and got hot at the right time and had some good pitching and wound up winning the title that way. Didn't even win the division, won, won as a wild card. Um, just, but that was a great team. And I think that's why I love that team so much because they were just a great team. And that concept of being a great team, it, it transcends sports, doesn't it? As much as we may love individual exploits, What's better than to hear the unified voices of a choir singing together? Those of you who've worked, you know there's been some teams you've been a part of that make every day you go into the office a true joy. And there are other teams you're part of that make you want to quit your job. Right? Team transcends sports. And there's something beautiful about when a collection of people put aside individual differences and individual stuff and rally together around a shared cause that really accomplishes something beautiful. That's why I love those Giants teams of the 2010s. Not a lot of star players. They were a great team. We've been in Nehemiah this summer, and we've seen the rebuilding of the wall. And today... Today, we see kind of the blessing of the wall, the completion of the wall, and the dedication of the people to what comes next. What happens now that the wall has been rebuilt? And I think that's the question for us here as a church as well. You know, we have, we have spent some time this year. You remember, remember, we looked at the wall, and, and at one point, Nehemiah went out and inspected the wall and looked around, and he acknowledged that the wall was in shambles, and the wall needed to be rebuilt, and it was shameful at how bad the wall was. He had to assess. In life, we have to assess reality before we can acknowledge what we have to do. So we've taken this time, some time this summer and acknowledged that we're not the same church that we were pre-COVID. And we've acknowledged that that hurts, that, that that is painful to look around and not see people that we may have seen before. It, it hurts us a little bit. It's painful. And it's okay. It's healthy. It's good to acknowledge that. But let me say this, friends. Let me say this. Part of what we do when we acknowledge is this. We look at what we don't have and what we find, but we take time to acknowledge and thank God for what we have. And here's the thing, y'all. We've had some difficult days, but through it all, we've had God, and frankly, we've had you. And I am so stinking proud of you and so proud of this church for what we've become in COVID and after COVID. I am so proud and so thankful for you and what you've done and what you've accomplished and how you have been faithful. Because it's been hard, but you've never given up and you've kept going and here we stand. I remember Three weeks into COVID, before everything got completely shut down, we couldn't leave our house. 
sitting outside of Jennifer's office, Jennifer Landers, our financial secretary, who you saw earlier. And we hadn't been able to meet together as a church in that time. We hadn't, had, we hadn't yet got our, got our own line given up like we wanted it to be. They hadn't taken an offering. I looked at her and said, okay, how many weeks can we stay open? How many weeks do we have to lay off staff? How much reserves do we have till we can't make it anymore? You know what you did? You kept coming. And you kept giving. And we tried all kind of crazy stuff. So if we got to Zoom Sunday school, guess what we're going to do for a season? We're going to Zoom Sunday school. If we got to have Christmas Eve out on the front lawn, 20 degrees, me about freeze my staff to death, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do it. We will not let this defeat us, and we're going to keep going, and we're going to be faithful. No matter how hard it is, no matter how challenging it may be, no matter how much work it is, no matter how uncomfortable it makes us, if we have to drag the piano out there and do drive in church, we'll do it. If we've got to do whatever we have to do to glorify God and be faithful, we will do it, and y'all stuck with us. You didn't give up. You didn't give in. You didn't quit, and you kept at it. And I am so proud to be your pastor. I am so thankful for who you are and for how you've been faithful. And yeah, we've been through it, but we've never been better. And I'm so excited about what God's going to do. And I'm excited, not just for those of you who, who are here, but y'all, I wish you could be in our staff meeting on, on Tuesdays when we look at our sign-in sheet and see the visitors. Every week, new visitors. Every, we, I had the largest Sunday school class I've ever taught this morning in my young adult class. We're seeing visitors every week. And one of the universal things I'm hearing from visitors is that they've never felt more welcome. They've never felt more accepted. They've never felt more loved than they have when they come into this place. Y'all, Yes, it has, it has been hard. But I'm so excited about how we've made it through and what we're going to do and what is going to happen next and what God is going to do in this place in the days to come and the role you are going to play in it and the role I'm going to play in it, the role we're going to play in it together. Here's the thing, though. That may make us feel a little uncomfortable. Like, you may think to yourself, Andy, I'm not ready to teach. We, ha we have so many kids coming to church right now, y'all. We need more help in our children's ministry and our youth ministry. And you may think, I don't want to do that. I've already done my time. Well, last time I read the Bible, guess what, y'all? You might graduate from school, but you don't graduate from church. Your membership vows do not end when you graduate. It, yes, we need you. We have too many kids. I'm sorry. We need you. We need you to step up and teach. And it may be hard. It may be challenging. You may feel inadequate. That's okay. God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. You may not feel adequate already to serve to lead, to be what our church needs, but we need you, y'all. You may not feel ready to join. You may not feel ready to start giving, 
But we need you, and we can do it because God is calling us to great things, and God needs this team that he's put together now. This team of faithful folk that together, with our energies combined, God can do amazing things here with me and with you. When we put our efforts together and our gifts together and our works together and our goals together, all for the purpose of glorifying God and making sure that folks know Jesus, God can do amazing things. And yet that may be a little bit of a challenge. It may seem a little scary. It may seem a little worrisome. But greater is he who's in us than he was in the world. Our greatest days lay ahead. For we have passed through the fire, as Isaiah says, and we have not been consumed. We have passed through the waters, as Isaiah 43 says, and we have not been drowned, for he is the Lord our God. He has called us by name, and we are his He has great things to do here. But he needs our team. He needs our team. He needs our willingness, our effort. One of the, there's no coach line that the best ability is availability. He needs our availability and our willingness to be used. Will you step up and be part of this team? Because our greatest days are yet to come. But we need you. That's what's next. What's next? God's greatest acts of faithfulness that we've ever seen. That's what's next but he needs us. So let's do it, team. I think about uh, Eddie Conger. Every day when Eddie would, uh, on the way out to church, he'd go, Coach? That's what he always called him was Coach. Don't know why. <laughs> Never quite understood that one. Um, always called me Coach. Hey, that's what I feel like. And I'll be honest with you. If I'm a coach... There ain't no coach in the world that's got a better team than I do. Let's do it. Let's be faithful. Let's give God all the glory. Let's pray.